who has mercy on us, who extends his hand of power to heal the sick. I can also give a testimony this morning that this is flu season. And I have devoted uh, the past week uh, to fighting off respiratory distress and avoiding my family who has the flu bug. And then I've also tried to uh, distance myself from people that have texted me and said, now, if you're just driving by, could you pick up this insurance form? Because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to infect anybody else. I just wanted to, you know, contain my own bug and go my merrily way. So the, the news in our area is not good. I did hear that San Antonio is second in the nation in the outbreak of the, the flu. So hospitals in San Antonio are experiencing a 34% increase in cases of patients with flu-like symptoms, which correlates with the upward trend of influenza cases in Texas and nationwide. That's not good news. Texas is one of several U.S. states with high rates of influenza cases, pushing the country to the illnesses threshold. That's still, that's not good news. How many of us were vaccinated with the, the flu this year? Did everybody hear the good news about that? Like it's like 23% effective? <laughs> I mean, it, it's so, isn't that, okay, that's it. That's today's message, so could I pray? <laughs> now, with all of that, and, uh, and with, you know, what, what if God, I mean, just go with me. You know, what, what if God, on the heavenly throne, very involved with our world, he's hadn't checked out. What if he decided to act definitively in this present moment? with what the future, what his future intentions are. See, in the, in the future, there will be no more flu. When we, when we pass from this present age into the age to come, there'll be, no, there'll be no more flu. And one of the mysteries of his kingdom is that his intentions in the future spill back into the present. We have tasted the powers of the age to come. So what if? What what if? God decided, okay, no more flu on the earth. In particular, no more flu in the San Antonio area where people are inflicted. What, what if he authorized 16 messengers? He empowered them with the Holy Spirit with his message, the message that you know, we want to be able to explain as fully as we can about how the kingdom of God works and some of the mysteries of the kingdom, one of those mysteries being that sometimes the future is deposited into the present. And what if God just began to saturate our area with the revelation, the understanding the application of his kingdom. And what if God worked? What if he worked through the hands of those 16 people? So when those people laid hands on people that had the flu, they were, they were healed in that moment in the name of Jesus. What if? What if that happened? It'd be awesome. You know, what, what would that teach us about God's personality? His mercy. 
You know, when I'm sick, I know God cares about that. He doesn't look down upon me and say, that's what you get, sucker. I, I mean, what in the world? Who, what kind of God is that? He cares about it when we're sick, when we're suffering. When, when, the, when the fall, the curse of the fall um, is, I mean, we're still struggling with that sickness and death is part of that. He cares. It's not like he's saying to all of you, man, well, you just, that's what you get. That's not, what, that's not the God we know. And then what does it teach us about his power, his ability to bring something of the future into the present and all of a sudden dissipate? Sickness. Put an end to it. What does that teach us? You know, what would we learn about God's kingdom if he did that? Oh, God, would you do that? Well, as we're traveling through Acts chapter 19, it's somewhat of a moment like that. Now, they're not struggling with influenza and the measles in the Roman province of Asia. But there's people there that are sick. And there are people there that are demonized by evil spirits. And God decided at, at, that, at that time in human history, just decided, I'm going to have at least 16 witnesses. That would be Paul, Priscilla and Aquila, Apollos, and then these 12 folks that we talked about last week that then all became this team of 16 people empowered by the Holy Spirit to deliver the message of the kingdom of God with the demonstration that those that were sick were healed and those that were demonized, held bondage by evil spirits, were set free. That is this window that we're going to look into. It was a two-year window in the city of of Ephesus. Acts 19, 8 through 12. <clears throat> After his encounter with the twelve, Paul then went straight to the synagogue, the meeting place. He had the run of the place for three months, doing his best to make the things of the kingdom of God real and convincing to them. But then resistance began to form as some of them began spreading evil rumors through the congregation about the Christian way of life. Read that again, would you? They began to spread rumors through the synagogue community about the Christian way of life. And so Paul, rather than standing his ground and arguing, he left. And he took those that were both Jew and Gentile that were now following Jesus with him. And he set up shop in the school of Tyrannus, holding class there daily. He did this for two years, giving everyone in the province of Asia, all dwelling in the province of Asia, all. Jews as well as Greeks, ample opportunity to hear, and I would also add and see, the message of the master, the king and his kingdom. 
And God did powerful things. Very important. Paul didn't do powerful things. Paul was an ordinary person. Just as weak and frail and insecure as everybody else sitting in this room. But God decided to do powerful things through Paul's hands, literally. And they were things that were extraordinary. They were kind of out of the ordinary. The word got around and people started picking up pieces of Paul's clothing. Literally, they began to pick up the sweat rags that he used as he worked as a leather maker and his work aprons. Those items of clothing touched the skin of the sick and they were healed. They also touched those that were demon-possessed and the spirits left. They were healed and whole. For three months, in a synagogue in the city of Ephesus, Paul told his story openly. He expressed himself freely. I would like to again remind us that Paul's story, I believe, always began with his encounter of the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. I think that, that Paul started, every, every place he visited, he started with, Jesus is alive, the resurrection has happened. I know that because I had a conversation with him on the road to Damascus. And then as he began that story, he would then say, so, because my life as a Pharisee has been so reoriented, I want to invite you to begin to to explore some places in the Bible that we as Jews have understood and God has just kind of exploded my understanding of them. So let's have a Bible study and I want to lead a discussion about what these passages now mean in light of Jesus resurrected and Jesus being the promised Messiah. He is the Messiah. And by the way, since we're on that in this discussion, I also want you to know that within our Jewish theology, we've been waiting for that age of the kingdom, the age to come being the kingdom. I'm here to tell you that that age to come has has arrived early. It arrived with the resurrection. It arrived with the king. The king and his kingdom and resurrection have begun. Not finalized, but it's begun. And Paul was doing his best. I love this phrase. He did his best to convince them of the resurrection, of the kingship, the messiahship, the anointed one Jesus, and the arrival of the kingdom. No bones about it. As as he stood in that synagogue, he said, Folks, I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. But I'm telling you, I've laid that aside. I'm not going to stop being a Jew. But I'm telling you, I'm following Jesus. And I want to convince you, change your mind about resurrection. Change your mind about Jesus. Change your mind about the kingdom of God. And for three months, he just had this this opening, and he went for it. And then as we've read about throughout the history of the people of Israel, there's a time that their neck stiffens. 
hearts were hardened. And they began to speak evil of the lifestyle of those that were following Jesus. Now that's a twist, isn't it? Compare that with contemporary times. And so Paul said, okay, it's not going to be worth the the time and the energy for me to stand in the synagogue and argue with you. We're just going to go down the street to a Gentile house. We've been in the Jewish house. Now we're going to go to the Gentile house. We don't know who Tyrannus was. We don't really know what kind of school he operated. But somehow Paul worked out an, uh, an arrangement. And the Western tradition is really interesting. The Western tradition of the church says that Tyrannus did his school in the morning until 11. And then in Asia, like many mid, 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 Middle Eastern world, the Middle Eastern world and the Hispanic world, they took a siesta. And so from 11 to 4, when most people were resting, that's when Paul went to the school. And Paul went from his work as a leather craftsman to do teaching in the afternoon. And he did that for two years. And again, if his emphasis in the synagogue was on the king and the kingdom, what do you think his emphasis was when he was at the school of Tyrannus? He did his best. And then it's just amazing. I mean, Luke really wants us to understand that everyone in the province of Asia, everyone, Jew and as well as Greek, was given ample opportunity to hear the message of the master. What that means is just Ephesus alone was a city of 300,000. I couldn't find the demographics for the first century province of Asia. But let's just say it was 500,000 people. In two years' time, Paul and the 15 others, and then the others that received, embraced, were empowered, they, they saturated. They saturated where they were with the message of Jesus, the message of resurrection, the message of the kingdom that's arriving, and a God who wants to set everything right. A God who wants to rescind the curse. A God that wants to bring back the shalom. A God that wants everybody to live life well in relationship with that. I mean, that's, they're saturating that area. Notice that Ephesus, during the New Testament era, it's the fourth greatest, largest city in the world. It's probably better to say around the Mediterranean basin. They're leaving out, there's some bigger cities in China. But would you also notice that once the gospel starts in Jerusalem, the next big center of operation is Antioch in Syria. That's the third largest. I would suggest to you that when Barnabas and Paul split up, Barnabas took John Mark and he went to Alexandria. So he's got that city covered. And remember, Apollos comes to Ephesus. So then Ephesus is where Paul's now going to set up. This is, the, this is like the next place that this message is going to go out for. And where's Paul headed? He's headed to Rome. So in the mindset of Paul 
And those in the faith from the very beginning, they, they, we want the biggest cities on the planet to hear this message. How can we saturate them with the message of Jesus, resurrection, Messiah, and kingdom? And as Paul is doing everything he can, I mean, I mean burning the candle, he's, I mean, he's still bivocational. They're, they're still not, he's not receiving full support. So in the morning, he's a leather maker, tent maker, and then the afternoon and probably the evening, he's doing ministry. And I've got to guess, knowing a little bit about that world, but not to the extent that Paul, I mean, I would guess as thousands and thousands of people are responding to Paul and others convincing them to follow Jesus, there were times where Paul saying, Jesus, this is crazy. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I know it'd be irresponsible if I didn't like earn a salary to pay for myself and those working with me, but Jesus, there's so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity. I, I would really rather devote all of my time to teaching and announcing your kingdom. And in this story, I think that God said, okay, I'll help you. And so God worked extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. And not only that, for whatever crazy reason in the mind of God, and the only thing I could connect it with is that just like the woman with the issue of blood reached out, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. Maybe only for Paul's sake. God said, you know, Paul, I know you wrap that, that rag around your head when you're working, in, you know, and I know you got that apron on, and I know those are symbols of your bivocational job, but, but that, that even counts. Because whether Paul left those things on the job site or whether he hurried off to the school of Tyrannus and then took those off and then other people started picking them up, whatever, there was this grace this power, this mercy that even these items from his bivocational world were demonstrating the presence, the arrival of the kingdom of God and those that were sick were healed and those that were demonized were set free. That's nuts. The word got around and people started taking pieces of clothing, his sweat rags and his work aprons that had touched his skin and then touching the sick with them, the touch did it, they were healed and whole. My friends, this is the arrival of God's rule on the earth. When God begins to set things right, when things have gone wrong. And there have been these moments in history that he just chooses to concentrate that on a particular point in time and a particular place. Oh, that it would be now. Oh, that it would be now. So if I, if I take all of that and just bring it into our community, I, I want us to understand we are a community empowered by the Holy Spirit to announce Jesus and his kingdom to our neighbors and the nations.
The Holy Spirit empowers us to announce Jesus, his resurrection, his kingdom arriving to our neighbors and the nations. Without the Holy Spirit empowering us, we can't do that. Without the Holy Spirit reminding us that this is our primary purpose for existence, we will tiptoe through the tulips trying to do all kinds of other stuff. But the primary reason you and I exist as a community is to announce his kingdom. So then it leads me to ask myself and then begin to ask us, in what ways are we doing our best to make the things of the kingdom real and convincing to others? In what ways are we doing our best? Can we give our best to make the things of the kingdom real and convincing to others? Can I give you a suggestion? One, I love to share things about the kingdom with you. I I love to make discoveries. I am so grateful that my sister has given me this assignment to come to England and to teach a week, once a year on the kingdom of God. That's been one of the most tremendous gifts I've ever received. But my discoveries of the kingdom passed on to you are not the same as you discovering the things of the kingdom yourself. Go to the Bible. Go to Matthew. And ask the Holy Spirit to show you something about the kingdom that you didn't know before. Make a discovery of the kingdom. And you know what you do with it next? You go to Facebook. And you make a posting. Convincing others about the reality of the kingdom of God. Now our conversations this week on Facebook about American Sniper... And about Muslims in America and how bad President Obama are. I mean, those are, those are interesting. But they will not change our world. It's spitting in the wind. We're spending way, way too much time having conversation about things that trouble us. But in light of the resurrection, the king and the kingdom, they are insignificant. Continue the conversation, but let's add to the conversation something that is better. We all can do this. When will our area be saturated with the message of our master? Again, everybody living in the first century province of Asia, the western part of modern-day Turkey, Whether they be Jew or Gentile, everybody had ample opportunity to hear the message of the Master. One of the obvious things is we keep talking about our social issues and we don't talk about Jesus, the resurrection, the king, and the kingdom. Obviously, the message is not getting out there, right? And then if we keep doing this stuff with a really bad attitude, condemnation, hate then when we have time to talk about it, nobody's going to listen to us. 
because we've already demonstrated to people that we have a sorry attitude. So, hello, people are reading your Facebook postings. And they're reading your heart. Paul went to work. I don't know what time they started work. But from whatever time, let's say 8 to 11, he went to work. And he made the most in his workplace that he could for announcing the kingdom of the kingdom. Here's the other thing. How could each of us, could, we, could each of us figure out, however we're spending nine, does anybody work from nine to five? I don't know anybody works from nine to five. But just sort of. In, in our nine to five job, how do we bring Jesus, the resurrection, the king and the kingdom, to our nine to five job? Last thing, look at your hands. These hands, I mean, these are just human hands. There's nothing extraordinary about these just hands. But there is a God in heaven who wants to extend his hand through our hands and do his work through us. It's never going to be our work. It would only be his work. But how is God working through our hands to demonstrate his kingdom arriving? See, the, the, the history is not about just the history. It's what God wants to continue doing on this planet. And we're the folks he wants to do it through. So would you like to stand with me? And let's have a time of inviting him to empower us to make the most of the opportunities we have to tell others about the king and the kingdom and convince them to come along with us. Holy Spirit, in this moment of kingdom time, we want to taste the powers of the age to come. Jesus, in our worship today, part of the heart of our worship was to enthrone you, to recognize your presence, and to recognize your authority in this room with us at this moment. You are our king. You are our master. You are the resurrected one, alive and well, right here with us. And Jesus, we invite you to direct us toward what is the very best in this life for this generation. Today, Jesus, I want to thank you that you've given us this gift of social media 
And I ask you, Holy Spirit, empower every one of us that dabbles in that media to use that media to the best of our ability to convince those around us that you're alive, that you are the Messiah, that your kingdom has arrived and is arriving. Holy Spirit, empower every one of us to recognize that where we work is a place for us to convince others of our king and his kingdom. Give us the wisdom. Show us how to do that. But Lord, don't let us waste those hours of working thinking, well, we'll do ministry after we're done with our job. Convince us, Lord, that we're part of your plan to saturate our area with the message of resurrection, of life, of king and kingdom. And finally, Lord, here are our hands. And I just invite you, just hold your hands out. Lord, here are our hands. We're ordinary people. We're people like Paul that have those, where we know we're weak, Lord. But when we are weak, you can be strong. Lord, we will stand before you in all of humanity and say, we will boast about our weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell upon us, may fall upon us, may come upon us. That you, O oh God, would do your work through these hands. That, Lord, you would set things right in our generation through these hands as a demonstration of your kingdom that's arriving and will come in all of its fullness. Here are our hands, Lord. Empower these hands to touch the sick, that they would be healed in the name of Jesus. Empower these hands to demand the spirits to go to set those that are in bondage free. Empower these hands to do the work of your kingdom come and coming. And Lord, as you empower us, we can only but give praise back to you and thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you intend to do in us and through us in our generation. We bless you, Lord. In your name we pray. So as we pray these prayers, I want to invite you to really look for the opportunities that you are given this next week. Whether it's on Facebook, I'll be reading. Or in the workplace. And then let's come back together. And let's share. You know, Jesus is answering that prayer. Let's share with one another how he's, how he's working through us to saturate our area. So God bless you. Thank you for our time together. See you later.